Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. Hey, hey, guys, what's up in the world? Same stuff. Same same shit, different day. <laughs> same shit, different day. Phase three <laughs> is happening, though. I went to TJ Maxx the other day. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, and I showed you a picture, but um, you know those things? This is a PSA to everybody <laughs> that's listening. You know those suction cup things that you see online that suck all of the like gunk out of your pores? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get those because I got one at TJ Maxx for like $10 and I went home. I was so excited to use it. Um, It works, but now my face is literally bruised. It's, uh, you know, it's a little better now, but like, do you see it? Yeah. Oh, there's a little something there still, but that first picture, it was full purple right under your eye. Yeah, it was, I think it's like the cupping thing. You know how people go to like, like weird, like natural medicine places and they get like the cupping done where they put like the suction cups on their back like i know michael phelps does it and it like brings the it's like that that's weird but on your face (laughs) i mean it did work like i i Mm -hmm. my pores are not as clogged it got a lot of the stuff out of my (laughs) disgusting face but so like if you have somewhere to go (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe don't do that yeah, it's not something to do right before a wedding or It was very prom. satisfying, though. I honestly <laughs> probably will do it again. <laughs> but, you know. Did it have different settings on it or it's no. just one? <laughs> just one. I was 10 bucks. <laughs> that's fair. So. For 10 bucks, that's some suction, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, don't. Don't do it. That's my PSA for the day. <laughs> If nothing else, you've learned something at this point in the podcast. Episode, exactly. So you can congrats. turn it off right now. <laughs> you've already gotten your content. But don't, because there's already been so little coverage about him. So, yeah, I honestly have not heard a lot about this case, which is sad. Like, I know for for all these like BLM cases we're covering, we're trying to do ones that haven't gotten the same amount of coverage as like. Brianna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I think it's really good that I don't know a lot about him because hopefully we will bring to light the craziness of this case. Yeah, and I I actually didn't know until John told me and John had asked, "Do have you ever heard about Daniel Shaver?" And I said no, and then he sent me the video. Oh jeez, I haven't watched yeah. the video yet. For everybody listening, um, that will be. A later reaction that'll be you'll get to hear her her real reaction and i know that i wrote this later but if you want to you can search the video yourself it is out there but we're not uh, posting it anywhere because <laughs> yeah we're not gonna post it um because i don't want to but <laughs> but yeah, if you want to watch it you can it's really hard to watch but if you don't i'm gonna give you a play-by-play of what happens not like a super in-depth play-by-play, but... Yeah, from what I heard, it's definitely like a trigger warning thing that we don't want to subject people to if they're not ready to... Oh, yeah. Watch it. 
So. Are you ready for the case? <laughs> drink up the drunkies. <laughs> and you can drink whatever you want for this in yeah, whatever again, amount you want to drink. Yeah, we're not really doing cocktails for these. I mean, we probably could, but. We probably could, but it feels it feels wrong. Yeah. In a way. Um, but we still highly encourage you to drink throughout this. Although not if you're going to drive or protest. Don't drink right. at protest. Um, okay. So Daniel Leeton Shaver grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Shaver graduated high school in 2007 and eventually decided to move to Grand or Granbury, Texas. Probably because it's cool in Texas, just like as an atmosphere. I don't know. I've never been to <laughs> Texas. My mom went to law school out there. And really? Yeah. That's where she went to law school? Mm-hmm. Houston. Wh- why? She knew somebody there and that's where she got in. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It just, it seems like a long way to go when there are law schools in the area. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but I, it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Texas, Shaver lived with his wife, Lainey Sweet, and their two beautiful daughters. Shaver worked hard as a pest control specialist to provide for them. And in 2016, that career brought him to Mesa, Arizona for a business trip. On the night of January 18th, 2016, 26-year-old Daniel Shaver invited two acquaintances up to his hotel room at the La Quinta Inn and Suites in Mesa. Shaver actually met Monique Portillo and Luis Nunez in the elevator and invited them to his room for some shots. And Shaver at some point decided to show his new friends the scope air rifle that he used in his pest control business. At some point, because the three were drinking or for whatever reason... The gun ended up being pointed out of his fifth floor window, not out the window, but in front of the window. You know what I mean? Um, which prompted a witness who was down by the hot tubs or the pool area to alert the receptionist. Believing that it was a real gun and not just a pellet rifle, which is what it was, the receptionist called the police. I understand that. Like, Yeah, the, it's an understandable reaction. Right. The upcoming reaction is not. Shortly before the police arrived, Nunez left the hotel room. And at around 9.20 p.m., the police reached the fifth floor of the La Quinta Inn and Suites and ordered both Shaver and Portillo to exit the room. Six officers greeted them in the hotel hallway, giving them orders and several warnings that any failure to comply with their commands would get them shot. Portillo was taken into custody without incident. Then, Police Sergeant Charles Langley ordered Shaver, who at this point is lying on the floor, to cross his legs. A few moments later, Sergeant Langley orders Shaver to get into a kneeling position, and in order to do so, Shaver uncrossed his legs. Langley then yelled at him to keep his legs crossed, startling Shaver and prompting him to put his hands behind his back. Langley yelled at him again to keep his hands in the air, this time telling him that if he failed to follow instructions again, he would be shot. What the hell? It sounds like they're asking him to play Twister, basically. Yeah, it's... It's incredibly confusing instructions and not really possible to do to like cross your legs and then kneel and then crawl with your legs crossed. That's I mean, you can't do it. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, Langley told Shaver to not put his hands down for any reason, to which Shaver replied, please don't shoot me. Langley then instructed him to crawl towards him and Shaver put his hands down again to comply crawling forward on all fours. Yeah, how are you During, supposed to crawl with your hands above your head and your legs crossed? Yeah, it's... I don't know. 
During his crawl, Shaver paused and reached his hand towards the waistband of his gym shorts. Officer Philip Brailsford, who later testified that he believed Shaver was reaching for a weapon, immediately opened fire with his AR-15 rifle, hitting Shaver five times and killing him instantly. Five times? Mm-hmm. Why do you need the, uh, to shoot five times? I don't know. I don't know. That's a really great question. The autopsy report revealed that Shaver was incredibly drunk with a blood alcohol level that totaled over three times the legal driving limit. So imagine being drunk out of your mind and then having six police officers order you out of your hotel room and yell a bunch of twister instructions at you to like put your right hand on red and your left foot on blue and Mm -hmm. your third limb on whatever and that if you don't do any of those impossible to do things, they'll shoot you. Yeah. So the claim that he was reaching for a weapon, I feel, is absolutely ridiculous. First of all, he's wearing gym shorts. Yeah, you wouldn't you have seen that he had a weapon in his pocket? Through, like, you can yeah. see a boner through gym shorts. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying, but... No, like, that's exactly what I thought. You can see everything through gym shorts. You would be if able he to had see a gun. if he had a weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this guy claims, oh, he might have been reaching for a weapon. He was completely unarmed at the time that he was shot. And he was most likely reaching down to pull up his gym shorts. Because if you've ever worn gym shorts, they don't really stay on through activities like lying on the floor and crossing your legs and trying to crawl that way. And so, yeah. Officer Brailsford never took a single second to consider that. And instead, opened fire with his automatic rifle that had the words, you're fucked, etched into the side of it. Um. Officer Brailsford shot and killed Daniel Shaver, pest control specialist, father of two girls, Natalie and Emery, and husband to Lainey Sweet. He shot him. I'm so mad. I know. This is how, if you... (laughs) If you can hear it escalating in my voice throughout the episode, I may be a little bit upset by this. Lainey went to the Mesa Police Department to request that they release the body camera footage of the shooting, but was initially refused. Then, Lainey decided to use some more covert methods to investigate the murder of her husband. Lainey recorded a meeting between her and the Maricopa County prosecutors in which she was told that she could watch the footage if she agreed to not discuss it with the press. On May 25th, 2016, the Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Sam Myers ordered that portions of the video were to be released. These first videos only include footage up to the moment that someone exits Shaver's hotel room and footage from another officer's body cam showing them leading Portillo from the room. That's so all the initial doesn't show anything, showed. really. Right. But had, had Lainey watched it? Mm-hmm. Would you watch it if if it was you? Oh, yeah. And you knew that you were about to, like, watch your husband get murdered? I think if they came to me, because what I'm guessing happened is she must have gotten a call saying that her husband had a gun and had gotten into an altercation with the police and they shot him. Yeah. Which is probably what they would tell her. Right. Yeah, so I would 100% watch it because I would not believe that at all. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, I... It's terrifying, and... Yeah, I mean, I want to say that I would be that brave, and I just did. But there's also a possibility that I wouldn't want to see it. You're right. So, I mean, I just don't, is, I don't know if I could do it. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess like at that point you're like trying to, you know, find justice and everything. But I think for Lainey, her bravery comes from her daughters. I mean, she needs to try and do something for them because they were unjustly robbed of their father. Yeah, that's true. So and I I'm not a mother, but I feel like if I would, if I was, I would also do the same thing. Mm hmm. In early March of 2016, the Maricopa County Attorney's Office announced that it was charging Officer Philip Brailsford with second-degree murder. However, at the request of Brailsford def- Brailsford's defense attorneys and the prosecutors, the full footage from his body camera was sealed and not allowed as evidence in the trial. What? How is... If there is literal footage of a murder... Why would you not use that in the murder trial? Well, I would say that's a really good question, but there was literal footage of the murder of George Floyd and they tried to lie to us with an autopsy. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. The county attorney's office did state that, quote, after carefully reviewing the relevant facts and circumstances, we have determined that the use of deadly physical force was not justified in this instance. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, we knew that. To the surprise of absolutely no one, Brailsford pled not guilty. Later in the month of March, the Mesa County Police Department fired Brailsford, claiming that the officer had violated several policies and overall given an unsatisfactory performance as an officer, which is the understatement of the century. Mm -hmm. An internal investigation report revealed that by engraving You're Fucked and Molnan Leib, which is a, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, I don't speak Greek, but it's a Greek phrase meaning come and take them on his patrol rifle. He had violated the department's weapon policy. Yeah. Why? What kind of a person would get that engraved on anything? Uh, Especially a weapon. A psychotic man that was waiting for his opportunity to murder. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I mean, if you want a comic book <laughs> uh, example, Deadshot has what sounds like a bi- I don't remember it exactly, but what sounds like a Bible verse, like around his neck or something on his, on his person saying something about like, Oh, killing the something, blah, 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 blah. But he's a villain. He kills people. So (laughs) a literal comic book villain. Yeah. I mean, it's also Punisher is also not, I'm digressing, but Punisher (laughs) is not a positive law enforcement icon in the comic book world he's not he realized that he was taken advantage of and used by the military and then decides to murder everybody that murdered his family so which was the military you guys so he (laughs) i mean the military murdered his family and then he murdered them he is not pro law enforcement actually that's the skull that you see when you see the blue lives matter and stuff and they have the skull with the blue line through it Uh uh-huh the creator for punisher made another one it's a skull and at the top it says blm in really big red letters that's awesome Mm-hmm. because i could tell you who punisher would be going for right now but you wouldn't believe me <laughs> anyway oh also to the surprise of nobody brailsford had also been previously investigated for an instance of excessive force yep yeah it fits sounds about right yeah During an arrest in 2015, Brailsford can be seen, again, on video recording, throwing a teenager against a shelf in the store, putting him in a headlock, and then slamming him to the ground. 
At the time of the incident, the witness that released the recording alleged excessive force because the teenager had not been doing anything wrong. Brailsford was not named in the public footage, but the Mesa County PD stated they had investigated the incident and cleared him of any wrongdoing because, according to the department's spokesman, quote, police work sometimes isn't pretty. Oh, my God. Michael Picaretta, Brailsford's lawyer, claimed that his client reacted correctly according to his training. Picaretta said in an interview, quote, Mr. Shaver certainly didn't deserve to die that night, but the information projected to the outside world that night was one of danger. Meaning that Brailsford acted accordingly because there was a gun reported. Okay. Chuck Wexler, the executive director of the Police Executive Research Forum, disagrees with this. Wexler believes that while Brailsford's caution upon entering the hotel is justified, once they were all in the hallway, Shaver is clearly not a threat. According to the New York Times, Wexler stated, quote, I saw the individual doing everything he could to comply with what the officer was asking. And so the officer's actions then were inexplicable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Brailsford's trial was originally scheduled for February, but a defense motion challenging the state's probable cause to send the case to trial and appeals to the Arizona Supreme Court over the release of the redacted body camera footage made that impossible. The trial was then rescheduled for October 23rd, 2017. That's my mommy's birthday. Aw. Happy birthday, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when the trial started. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) After six weeks of trial, on December 7th, 2017, the jury returned from deliberation after only six hours and acquitted Brailsford of all charges. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. No. That day, the Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Sam Myers decided it was safe to release the full footage from Brailsford's body camera. (sighs) Now, that description I gave earlier was mostly for you guys, our listeners, like I said. You can find the footage online if you want to. But right now, I'm going to ask Tierney to watch it. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Okay. Here I go. As I said earlier, it's extremely difficult to watch, so enter at your own risk. And fun fact, Facebook won't let you send this link. That's crazy. All right, Mm -hmm. I'm watching. Oh, my God. Here I go. NBC. (laughs) (laughs) It's loading. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. There might also be an ad in there somewhere. I don't know. He's literally crying. Mm-hmm. I can't even like this guy is crying saying yes sir I'll do whatever you say like yep. it doesn't look like he doesn't like he's trying to crawl how is he supposed to, oh my god yeah, he's not posing any threat. He's trying his best to comply. Yeah, and he like he doesn't look threatening literally at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I just don't understand how police can be that, like... I don't know. And knowing, like, that he was, like, drunk out of his mind during that, too. Which I'm sure they could tell. I mean... Yeah, I could you had kind of tell watching s- that. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. According to a New York Times 
article from that December, reactions to this video were swift and furious. Quote, civil rights activists, celebrities, and athletes described the shooting as an execution and denounced what they called a lack of accountability. Which is the problem. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he was so quick to to fire. Mm-hmm. If he actually had a weapon and pulled the weapon out, he still would have had time to defend himself before Shaver was able to shoot him. Exactly. He, if you had waited he, for confirmation that there was a weapon, mm-hmm. 100%, you still would have been able to shoot first. Yep. In January of 2018, after losing his job and getting away with murder, Brailsford filed for bankruptcy. At the same time, the Department of Justice opened its own investigation into Shaver's death. This investigation is still ongoing. How? I don't know. I don't know what's so hard about it. It's super cut and dry to everybody else in America. Yeah. Then, in August 2018, Brailsford was hired back by the Mesa Police Department. No. Brailsford worked for the Mesa PD for 42 days, during which his lawyer managed to get him approval for retirement on medical grounds. No. Those grounds claim that Brailsford now suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder after murdering Daniel Shaver and going through the criminal trial. Along with his retirement, Brailsford is currently getting a taxpayer-funded pension of $30,000 a year. That means that the taxpayers of America are currently paying this murderer. How? Like, how? he should be in jail getting yeah. no pension. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <sighs> If you hadn't heard about this case before, that's because it didn't get the amount of attention that other police murders have. An article from The Atlantic argues that this is, quote, partly because body cam footage was withheld from the media and partly because the cop and the dead man were both white, rendering the killing less controversial than one possibly animated by racism. This may explain the lack of media coverage, but it still warrants some serious attention, and Daniel Shaver still deserves justice. Right, and... If like if you guys didn't I didn't know that Daniel Schaefer was white before we started this. I kind of just assumed that Shelby had picked another like black violence thing. But I feel like it's important because so many people on Facebook and on whatever platforms are arguing, "Oh, well, you know, they'll argue, "Oh, we shouldn't defund the police," but at the same time they're arguing, "Oh, well, they also kill white people." And it's like those two like what Mm -hmm. you don't make any sense like of course like i can't even put it into words like i'm so mad yeah so laney there's there's (laughs) other reasons to defund the police yeah besides although this feels like a pretty good one yeah laney has started a fundraising campaign called relentless justice to argue for police reform and hopefully secure the justice that her late husband deserves Uh, When Daniel Shaver was murdered, and let's make sure to call it that because that's what it was, a murder, it was a Black Lives Matter activist that called it an outrage and said, enough is enough. So they are not arguing for black superiority for all of the white people that are afraid for that. Mm -hmm. They are. (laughs) They're not the ones. They're asking for change Mm -hmm. because. Because we need change. Either way, there needs to be some kind of 
reform for the police department not just because they're a lot of them are racist mm-hmm. although that is a huge problem 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 <laughs> although, that, <laughs> although that is a huge problem there's many other reasons why we need mm-hmm. police reform there the black lives matter movement isn't trying to cover up the deaths of white people at the hands of police they're fighting for them just the same way that they're fighting for black lives taken unjustly by the police Mark Garagos, who our loyal drunkies might remember from the Scott Peterson case, is he? I was going to say, he sounds familiar. Yeah, he was. He represented Scott. Mm. He was also one of the attorneys on the Daniel Shaver case. In Connor Friedersdorf's article for The Atlantic, Garagos remembers viewing the body camera footage with Laney before it was released to the public. I know why they have not released it. It's not bloody. It's the most chilling, horrific thing you've seen in your life. This kid was begging for his life. He raised his hands, did everything the cops told him to do, and then they just executed him. It's bone chilling. One of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life is sitting in a courtroom with his widow who watched it for the second time and literally went into convulsions. I had to grab her and hold her in a bear hug. It was just awful. Ben has been with me for eight years and does nothing but the civil rights practice. I've been doing criminal and civil rights for 35 years. I've seen thousands of tapes. This is light years beyond anything I've ever seen. It burns a hole in your brain. I literally had nightmares about it. Before you go on, I need to just congratulate you for saying a name like Friedersdorf <laughs> <laughs> without stumbling. Thank you. I was so impressed. Okay. Thank you very much. Anyway. <laughs> I, was, I was But also I was that was that <laughs> Yeah, I, that quote almost made me tear up because it literally is so awful. But his article, Friedersdorf in the Atlantic, is incredible. He discusses the importance of the Daniel Shaver case and why we should pay more attention to it. Mm-hmm. And it's because of this. It This does not diminish the cases of police violence against people of color. This brings awareness to the real danger that our police force poses to all civilians. Friedersdorf's article argues that, quote, even if the Black Lives Matter critics were right that police killings in America are not racially suspect, that would not be a sufficient argument against police reforms. It would still remain the case that American police officers kill many more people overall and many more unarmed and mentally ill people in particular than do police in other democratic countries. Why isn't that enough to warrant serious systemic reform? Mm-hmm. Because racism exists, but for those of you out there that are trying to say that it doesn't, that is not an argument mm-hmm. against police reform. <laughs> and I know it's difficult to talk about, but I mean, racism exists and no, we don't want it to, but it does. I mean, I just read a story today saying that some white pastor in the South said, oh, we didn't know what a blessing slavery was. A blessing? Excuse me, sir. Yeah, check yourself, sir. What are you talking about? And those people are the ones that I don't, I understand even less because Jesus taught love everyone. Mm-hmm. According to the Statista Research Department, as of June 4th, 429 people have been shot dead by the police this year. Last year, the police killed 1,004 people. 
Over 100 was in December alone. The fact is that people are out there killing people rather than protecting them. While we know that not all cops are bad, there are some bad apples. The original proverb that comes from as far back as 1340s England actually goes, quote, a rotten apple quickly infects its neighbors. So no matter how many good apples there are, a few bad apples spoil the entire police force. Mm-hmm. The police are killing black people. The police are killing white people. The police are killing trans people. The police are killing gay and lesbian people. The police are killing indigenous people. The police are killing our people, American people, and getting away with it. How many miscarriages of justice will we have to suffer? How many deaths warrant some serious change? Enough is enough. And I'll end with a quote from George Orwell's 1984. We do not merely destroy our enemies. We change them. So don't stoop to their level of destruction. Let's change it. That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I had finished my research and was just so angry. And this came out of me. Yeah. And I know it sounds so preachy and I'm sorry for that. But no, I mean, all of everything you said is so true. I'm trying to find something on Facebook that I thought my friend Casey shared that I saw today um, about a, a police officer had shared it. Did you, maybe you've shared it. I don't know who shared Is it. it. The story of him trying to report. Yeah. It, so you did yeah, share I, it. So never yeah. mind. If you want, I can find it. I, I thought of that too, because it's it is really telling and it's i don't it's just it's so frustrating because it's right there even former police officers are trying to tell us what the issues are and some people are still like no the police are good oh, they're oh, blue lives matter <laughs> and I, I i it's the most awful like, yeah, I do respect the people that actually want to get out there and protect the community. But the fact is that if you're not willing to turn in your your fellow officers for misconduct, then you're not willing to protect your community. And even when you do, right. whenever I find what I'm looking for on Facebook, even when you do report them, the system itself stops it and supports them. I found it. The officer's name is Paul Manning, and he tweeted this. He wrote, Want to know why it's so hard for cops to be good apples? It was 2007, and I was assisting a call with an officer I'd never met before. He was from another team working overtime. Right in front of me, he broke a kid's nose with a punch. The septum was clearly deviated, and blood was everywhere. The kid was handcuffed, and the officer inquired of me, quote, What should we arrest him for? What did he do? I inquired. The other officer said, he called me a name. After 20 minutes of him trying to persuade me we should fabricate a crime, we had to let the kid go. We need to do notes, get our story straight, he then told me. I don't need assistance in writing what happened. I found a quiet place and wrote the facts. As I wrote, I was joined by a female A sergeant. I'm not sure what the A means, but who knew this officer? She spent 20 minutes trying to convince me this kid was a 
quote, shitbag, and my notes should reflect the danger he posed. I was disgusted. We don't behave this way. I went to the platoon commander and provided a statement for the assault I'd witnessed. An investigation commenced, one which should have been forwarded to SIU Ontario. The investigator asked me questions like, how do you know his nose was broken? And where did you get your medical degree? Like, seriously? Then came the result. A phone call from the superintendent whilst I was home. Paul, our investigation is complete and you've been found guilty of misconduct in that you failed to communicate with a colleague. A verbal warning will be put on file. Be careful in the future. When I got back to work, I was moved from my team and away from my friends to this officer's team. Officers just point blank refused to talk to me and I went to many calls by myself without backup. Then a message from another officer on team to meet him. He told me how we look after each other on this team. Don't stab each other in the back. Then for some fucked up reason, he dropped the N-bomb out of nowhere. I just drove off, leaving him sat there. Then I was called into the deputy chief's office with the same superintendent and my union rep. In front of both, he told me to be careful what you say in the future or you might not get back up when you need it. I was an A inspector when I left the Met in 2005 to move to Canada, but my appraisal that year reflected incompetence and unworthiness of the position of constable. Every position or course I applied for, I was refused. I continued to whistleblow until the chief told me, you really have no concept of brotherhood, do you? Then I whistleblew anonymous 2015-ish after going off sick with PTSD from an attempt murder I went public with everything to be met with a covert operation by not only senior management, by member of the city council and lawyers, telling anyone who would listen I'm nuts, crazy, and delusional. This is how they deal with officers who tried to do the right thing. Two warrants on my home, numerous criminal investigation, and one arrest later, and I'll still do the right thing no matter what they try and do to me. The officer who broke that kid's nose is now a sergeant, probably helping others cover up their wrongdoings. Me, I'm off sick and will probably never find gainful employment again. Was it worth it? Fuck no. Would I do the same? Fuck yes. Would I advise other officers to break the blue wall of silence? Well, that's for them to decide. But it will end your career. Until you offer protection for good apples, you asking them to give up their careers because of someone else's wrongdoing. And that's the sad fact, is that if you can't say... That there are some good cops. Because there aren't. The good cops aren't cops anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like... The, they're just mm-hmm. so corrupt. Like, no matter who they're murdering, they're murdering people. They're being unnecessarily violent to people because of some authority complex that they have. And they're all covering it up for each other so that they can keep being... Awful right. humans, basically. And not that, I mean, there definitely are some people that are not, like, there are some cops that aren't violent. There are some that don't do these things, but there are even less cops that are strong enough to speak out when they see a fellow officer do something wrong. And, yeah, and that's what the issue is. Because that's what will happen to you. You'll just lose yeah. your job. You'll lose your job and you won't be able to work anywhere else. Although if you murder someone, you'll be able to work at any other police department you want. Apparently. So. So if 
you listen to this podcast and you still don't think that the police should be defunded, um, I don't know what to say to you. I just beg you to remember that when you say, oh, it's just a few bad apples, remember that a few bad apples spoil the whole bunch. The Black Lives Matter movement is also behind Daniel Shaver. And I think one of their core beliefs is that you should be able to live in this country without the fear that you're going to walk out of your house or be sleeping in your house and be shot dead by police. Yep. All right, bye, Mom. <laughs>